Frank, the world has changed a lot since we saw you last. Uh, we're in the midst of this COVID-19 global pandemic. Um, I suppose, Frank, just from to begin with, uh, just to ask how the agricultural sector is holding up there in the US. Um, obviously, we're seeing some very worrying sites of milk being dumped um, and the impact on the dairy sector there. So, so what's it like on the ground? So the situation is very serious. I think the situation is serious globally, but um, but in the particular in, in, in the United States uh, as well. And uh, one of the reasons is that many of the outlets that normally sell agricultural products are currently closed. So, for example, schools are closed, and that means no more school milk goes into the supply chain. Um, restaurants are closed. Uh, cheeses and meats and so on are not sold there, obviously. So on the one hand, we see an interesting trend, an encouraging trend, and that is that animal source foods in the supermarkets are flying off the shelf. Um, and the supermarkets are having a hard time keeping them uh, stocked because they are in such high demand. So eggs and milk and meat are very highly sought after. And what's interesting, many of the plant-based alternatives that were tooted as the great uh, alternative just a few months ago, they are lavishing on the shelves. So that to me is interesting when I go shopping. Now, but overall the demand is there, but people cannot purchase the way they used to. So you can't just go and order a pizza. Uh, and for example, pizzas were a major, major place uh, for our cheeses. And now uh, that whole production is gone. Look at French fries, uh, or you call them uh, chips, I think. Um, there is really no place to buy chips these days. You cannot go to a fast food chain. You cannot go to a restaurant. Uh, so the potato farmers are in uh, severe trouble because of that. Um, so, yeah, it's affecting agriculture and it's affecting it severely, not just here, but throughout the world. What about on the dairy side there um, in particular, Frank, and these videos that we're seeing um, and dairy's obviously big there in the in, in your own state, California. So in those states where the majority of dairy goes into fluid milk, uh, farmers are in trouble, I would say, uh, because uh, there's just no place to send that fluid milk. In places where milk is made into powder or into cheese, uh, the trouble is much less. So Wisconsin is, is heavy hit. Uh, California, not so much. We are not dumping milk here, uh, here in California. But uh, there are some states where that's happening now. And that's, that's just heartbreaking. Frank, I suppose the main reason we wanted to talk to you as well today is farmers are asking a lot about the impact of this situation, the impact of the up economic upheaval of COVID-19 on uh, carbon emissions across the globe. Um, and obviously in Ireland, we won't be able to assess those figures until next year. The EPA say that the 2020 figures won't be out to 2021 where we can see what's actually happening in this window. But you're the expert, Frank. What's happening globally with emissions right now? So many farmers uh, see those satellite images that go around the world social media right now of northern Italy or China before and after the crisis hit. And uh, what's very clear is that many different air pollutants have gone drastically down, have gone drastically down. But the emissions that are going down are mainly associated with the use of fossil fuel, the burning of oil, coal and gas. 
So what's going down are so-called oxides of nitrogen or NOx. Uh, other gases such as volatile organic compounds are going down. There are certain gases that go down, but these gases are mainly associated with the burning of gasoline, the burning of oil, the burning of coal, because these activities have gone down drastically. Much less vehicle traffic on the streets. Um, anything that uses fossil fuel has gone down drastically. Much fewer air traffic and so forth. Agriculture overall is pretty much maintaining its emission levels because all the activities are maintained. So it's not that your Irish farmers or ours here in California are now doing half as much as before. We're going full throttle. And as a result, our emissions are the same as they were uh, before the pandemic uh, broke. So what is happening is that overall emissions are going down from all of those sectors of society that um, have always used fossil fuel at large amount. Uh, agriculture is, is pretty, much, pretty much the same. What does that say, Frank, about where agriculture sits? And I know obviously you're very passionate about uh, highlighting that agriculture isn't the culprit that maybe a lot of countries think it is. Um, but what conclusions can be drawn from this in terms of where agriculture sits in the big challenge of reducing carbon emissions? Well, you've heard me say that before. I think that um, agriculture plays a very important role um, in and around greenhouse gases. Uh, and I think that role is oftentimes not appreciated, namely that agriculture is not just a source, but agriculture is also a significant sink of greenhouse gases. Um, you now hear some countries in the world proposing that agricultural land be converted into forest. Um, I'm skeptical of that because our grazing lands sequester a lot of carbon and they do this instantaneously, whereas forests that you now plant will sequester carbon in a long time from now. And we need uh, impacts now and not in 10, 20, 30 years. Um, and so I think that uh, farmers do need to get appreciation for the sequestration and assimilation of carbon that they are currently um, that they are currently already conducting. And that I don't see happening uh, at the extent that I think is needed. I suppose another side to the argument as well is that um, agriculture has has um, has been permitted to continue, you know, operations here in Ireland and across the EU and and globally because it's the food producer. Um, and in this global pandemic, we still need food. Um, so it, it really highlights the importance, I suppose, of agriculture as a sector as well and kind of hammers that message home for a lot of the general public. Look, I live here in California, and that's the agriculture powerhouse of the United States. I now go into the supermarket, and all of a sudden I see there are food shortages. There are certain food items you just don't get anymore. And it really emphasizes the importance of food security. Be careful what you mess with when uh, outlawing agricultural practices, getting rid of agricultural sectors, and so on, or proposing to replace agriculture with other forms of land use because you might still live in the days before this pandemic hit. But watch carefully what's happening in your supermarkets, what's happening to supply chains, what's happening to farmers, many of whom are quite discouraged and actually 
contemplate leaving the sector. We do not want that to happen. We need farming. Farming is the most important, the, the most strategically important sector of our society next to the health sector. We need to foster it. We need to support it any way we can. Frank, just on, back to the emission side of it, Frank. Um, you know, often when there is a recession, there's talk about the dip in emissions. We had it in the last global recession uh, where, uh, you know, the, the global uh, carbon emissions went down uh, 2008, 2009, uh, but they actually rose again quite fast after that. Um, so, you know, what about the rebound rate on this? Will there be a lasting impact of the dip in emissions here in terms of will it affect current policies that are in place? You know, will we have to change policies or will the rebound effect be quite fast and will we get back to those levels that we were at pre-COVID-19 relatively quickly? Well, great, class, great question, Clara. Um, I don't think that there's any question that the effects that we are seeing now will be very short time in nature, unless the pandemic really stays with us for years, which is currently not um, what most experts predict. Um, the reductions that we have seen so far will be compensated by increased activities after we are let out of our houses again. The second that people tell us we can now uh, go back to life as we knew it, People will uh, travel the same way they did before. They will drive and fly and do everything they have done in the past, uh, and maybe even more in order to compensate for what they just uh, didn't do over the last few months. And so it's very, very unlikely that the current reductions in emissions that we see, which we all appreciate, of course, that they will last. It's very, very unlikely. So unlikely to have any sort of impact on policies that are, that are there at the moment. I, I cannot imagine that um, I cannot imagine that what we are seeing currently will have impacts on policies. While this is all happening, the climate change issue actually has kind of, you know, uh, gone off the table, gone off the, the centrefold at the moment. Uh, do you anticipate that once COVID-19 passes, that the real, the focus will return to climate change, climate action, getting emissions down? I think the world will change. I really do think the world will change. Um, the <clears throat> this shock that has, that has occurred uh, in, in this context here has been profound. People for the first time had to wonder where their food comes from and whether or not they will have enough food in the, in the years to come, in the months to come, in the weeks to come. Um, we have been worrying about items, food items and other items that we have never, you and I never worried about in the past. So all of a sudden we are seeing that and we are, we are being told where our food comes from. Okay, so if you go into a British uh, supermarket, uh, you need to know about what 60% or so of what's in that supermarket has not been grown in this country, and uh, but is imported from other places. So the self-reliance of food items of a society is actually very important. It's very important that we can produce the food needed by the people who demand it. It's very important. And the thought that we can just get whatever we want by ordering it from wherever in the world, I think that thought will probably uh, subside. I think people will understand more that what they have with respect to food production in their respective countries 
is something of strategic importance. Great, Frank. Look, we'll leave it there, Frank. Thank you very much for joining us and um, stay safe and well over there. And hopefully we'll have you back in Ireland soon. I would love to. All my best to you and uh, see you next time. Joe, thanks very much for joining us. Joe, like ourselves, the EU is in the grips of this major crisis. It's having a big impact on our exports. Beef prices here are going down as a result. Just how difficult is the market situation at the moment? And can we bounce back from this? The COVID pandemic is having a number of different impacts, um, but mainly the overall sales of beef um, across all our major markets are going to be down. So the net effect of it is going to be uh, some additional uh, storage or overhang of even frozen beef on the market um, around Europe. Um, that's not just here in Ireland, but there will be more beef retained, um, obviously, in our major export markets as well, too, um, which will have to come back out onto the market again at some stage, um, particularly in the, in the case of the steak cuts, um, that um, because restaurants are no longer open and people are not in general um, as keen to uh, cook steaks of beef themselves at home um, as they would be to order steaks in a restaurant. Um, albeit that Borbia has promotional activities, for example, here in the home market, we now have uh, a TV advertising campaign um, focusing on the steak cuts in order to encourage more shoppers to buy steaks here in Ireland. And a lot of the retailers even have their own promotions as well to around steak at the moment in order to encourage and, and hopefully see a bit of an uplift in sales. But of course, we do have to export 90% or thereabouts of the beef that we produce. Um, we do have activity as well, including in Italy at the moment, um, the, the mainly through the butcher channel, believe it or not, at the moment, um, where we have seen a very strong increase in the volume of Irish beef steak cuts um, being sold uh, through a number of outlets there focusing on Italian butchers. So that has taken a little bit um, of the of maybe the, the pressure off maybe in the last week or two. But unfortunately, the issue still remains that there will be an impact of this even going on after the maybe movement restrictions are lifted, whereby there'll be some additional stock uh, remaining on the market. And secondly, the demand will continue to be impacted by the economic situation in our major markets. You know, because unemployment is going to be up, because people's disposable income isn't going to be as high maybe as it was prior to the pandemic. These are all things that are going to impact, unfortunately, on beef demand and lamb demand as well, too, because these are among the highest priced proteins, you know, they're, they're in comparison with whether it be chicken breasts or sausages or even eggs, um, which we are seeing even higher uplifts uh, in retail sales of, um, you know, it, it is going to unfortunately see some, uh, I suppose, lulls in terms of demand, um, even, uh, even over the months ahead. Joe, what about the economic impact of this in terms of consumer consumption habits? Do you see a decline in our meat consumption habits, which have been dipping slightly in the EU in recent years? Um, I suppose the economic impact of it um, is likely to be uh, you know, reasonably significant, Claire, given that uh, right across Europe we're seeing unemployment rates increasing, hopefully temporarily, that 
uh, after the restrictions, people will be able to go back into their normal workplace. Um, but we have seen, as you touched on there, a gradual, slow, slight decline. We're only talking about uh, numbers in the in the very low percentage, single-digit figures, one two percent per year in terms of reductions in overall beef consumption in general across the EU. So it's not something that is very significant um, as a as a trend or very worrying. Um, in a lot of markets, you also have a trend where people are trying to maybe eat a little bit less, but better quality, um, for example, in Germany. And that has even worked in our favor in some markets because Irish beef is seen very much as a high quality product. Um, also, um, exports outside of the European Union are going to become an increasing focus as well, including the Chinese market. We've all heard a lot about that in the last 12 months. Um, and it looks as though it is you know, the first market really to start to recover in terms of post-COVID. Um, the market over there is starting to reopen and um, restaurants are opening up. Uh, the majority of businesses are operating now again over there and workers are, are returning to their employment. Um, so that's very positive um, that the numbers of cases obviously are falling. Um, and uh, we're seeing a significant recovery there. And the other factor as well, too, is the majority of Irish beef that goes into China and other international markets, it travels there in frozen form on large, uh, what we call reefer containers. And while these were in short supply during uh, COVID and, and really as a result of the impact on logistics, um, thankfully the chain is starting to move again and um, you know these containers hopefully over the coming weeks and months will become uh, more readily available um, in order that the industry will be able to again send bigger volumes of product uh, out to the likes of China where demand is recovering and we're actually seeing uh, you know some orders coming in again for Irish beef out there uh, as was the case um, you know one or two months ago before um, this pandemic really hit that market. Joe, we had some positive news this week with confirmation of a contract for 12,000 bulls and steers to go to Algeria. When will the first boat go? Okay, so I was just speaking to uh, some of the operators involved in that uh, trade, um, Claire, and it's expected that the first shipment will travel there next week um, of finished cattle that are going to be um, processed there. Um, Ramadan is coming up, obviously a, a huge um, festival, and it's the main, um, I suppose, period of the year when consumption rates increase um, right across the Middle East and, and uh, you know, right across the Muslim world. It's not just because uh, in the they fast during the day and and uh, tend to, you know, eat well then in the evening time with their families, um, but also some of it is related to. Um, being charitable as well too, and sharing, uh, you know, their their food and and their belongings as well too with neighbours and friends, and that's also why the consumption rates increased, uh, or rather increased during the Ramadan festival. Um, so you know, and this is uh, part of the reason for the timing uh, of this shipment um, over the coming weeks. So yeah, a positive development. It's a, a reflection as well too of the investment. Um, that Ireland collectively has put into this market through the Department of Agriculture, through several visits there as well too, uh, in conjunction with Bordea's own team as well too, uh, in the African continent, 
uh, and the demand there uh, appears to be to be solid and uh, and robust at the moment, uh, leading to to this uh, significant demand. They also are supplied with animals from Spain and from France, um, but. Um, so far, Ireland has only sent a very small number of animals there um, just in November of last year. Um, but they look set to um, to import, as I say, a, a, a large consignment here, uh, beginning with uh, with the export next week. Um, and uh, you know they really want to try out um, the Irish cattle and to, and to uh, I suppose do a trial on them and see how they perform and see how they do uh, in comparison with their other sources. Uh, so it is one boatload. Um, that is scheduled to uh, arrive, um, I think, next Monday um, for loading in Cork. Um, so that is a consignment of almost 2,000, I think, is the capacity of that boat. Finally, our calf exports. How have they been holding up this season and has demand been impacted by COVID-19? So, yeah, it's been an interesting season so far, Claire. Obviously, we're in the peak availability of calves at the moment, um, given that um, it's a, a seasonal uh, supply and um, calves generally travel when they're two or three weeks old um, to our, our export markets. Um, it started off somewhat suppressed because of weather-related difficulties and uh, some sailing, in fact, quite a lot of sailings were cancelled during the month of February and early March, just as a result of the rough sea conditions. Uh, then when in the last few weeks conditions improved, um, certainly our capacity increased and um, we were even, um, our, our ability maybe to export bigger numbers also improved as a result of one of the Lairages in Cherbourg expanding its, uh, its facility there. Um, so in recent weeks, we've seen shipments of 15,000 calves a week um, being achieved. However, and just in the last week or two, that has slowed down. And that is also partly as a result of the, the COVID uh, impact in some of our major markets. For example, in the Dutch market, the veal industry there is very highly reliant on the food service market around Europe. Uh, veal tends to be sold to restaurants um, in Italy, in France, in Germany. Um, and as a result of the closure of those outlets, um, they're experiencing a, a big decline in demand for veal. Um, so that has had a knock-on impact then on their actual demand for young calves, even though the calves are fed there for a period of seven or eight months. When you have problems at the far end of the chain, um, obviously that is pushed down to their actual demand for their for their uh, their young calf, their raw material, if you like, um, which have uh, suffered declines in price over the last few weeks of 20 to 30 euro per calf. Our other major outlet for calves is in Spain. And similarly there, uh, they're... I suppose beef market, um, their trade for finished bulls um, has declined somewhat. Um, and this comes as a result of obviously a, a decline in food service sales, but also um, they would anticipate that their um, tourism market is going to be impacted as a result of this down in Spain and Portugal. Um, so that will also translate into somewhat uh, suppressed um, beef demand. So as a result of that, on average, cattle prices, not just here in Ireland, but right across our major markets around Europe have all declined. And this is particularly the case for cull cows. You mentioned, Claire, that prime cattle have declined in price by 20 to 25 cents a kilo over the last few weeks. Um, if you look at cull cows, they have even suffer, suffered declines of up to 50 cents a kilo. So very, very significant. 
um, and mainly as a result of the loss of you know your burger manufacturing channels um, and indeed your your food service outlets thanks very much joe we'll leave it there <laughs>